Hi, thank you for joining me on my podcast, No Agenda, No Apologies. This is Lisa Marie Costabile. Some of you may know me as Kota in the spiritual world. I'd like to introduce my next guest, Diane Lang, a therapist, educator, life coach, and author from New Jersey. Diane has an MA in counseling and a BA in liberal arts from the New York Institute of Technology. She is also an adjunct in psychology at Montclair State University. Lang has been featured in such publications as The Daily Record, Family Circle, Family Magazine, Working Mother, and seen on many TV shows from Good Day Connecticut to Fox and Friends. Diane was eager to have a chat with me to help give advice and offer solid ideas on how to navigate through being in a worldwide pandemic. Diane is a longtime friend, a working mother, and an expert in her field of psychology. I'd like to welcome Diane Lang. Hey, Diane, how are you? Hi, Lisa. How are you today? Good, good. Hanging in there. You know, we're here in California, so, and and um, I know you're in New Jersey, and I appreciate you joining us this morning. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. So, um, wow, it's interesting. Diane, I'll give the audience a little brief how we met. We met years ago in New York City mod- <laughs> modeling, right? Remember those days? Yeah, I do. <laughs> the, the, the fun, easy days, and Diane and I have become friends, and... Um, of course, I moved to LA, and then we kind of lost touch. But one of the the amazing things about this podcast is being able to reconnect with someone like yourself, because I haven't talked to so many people because I'm a mom, I'm super busy. But um, now we can re- reconnect and talk. So um, do you want to tell the audience a little bit about what you do, what you're doing now with, with everything going on? Sure. Um, so I'm still in the New York area. I'm from New York, but I now live in New Jersey, um, just kind of the suburbs of New York City. It's called Northwestern New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working as a therapist, a positive psychology coach, and I'm also an adjunct professor at Montclair State University here in New Jersey. And I've been speaking all over on a lot of emotional wellness topics that are all based on positive psychology. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't heard about that, positive psychology is just the newest uh, science that came out or was coined in 1998. And what makes us a little different with positive psychology, whether we use it both in our therapy practice or as coaches, is that we study and research what makes us happy, what makes us resilient, optimistic, mm-hmm. and really having an overall great quality of life. So it's just mm-hmm. the other side. I like to say the better side because we're a little more on the positive side, which mm-hmm. I like because it really helps people no matter what they're going through, whether it's today's crisis or any other crisis, a trauma or a tragedy, illness, injury. You know, we know life is always changing. It's the mm-hmm. only constant in the world. So we're always going to have changes. It's not just what we're going through, you know, today, even though today is a global, but we'll all have things that we're going through. So it's really great to learn all these tips and tools that can help everybody, not just today, but any time in their life. So I just feel really privileged that I have that training, you know, from years ago after the modeling days. Mm-hmm. I know you went <laughs> uh, to I, you went to the university for years. I just remember you, you'd get a modeling gig, but then you'd be at the university. Yeah, I, I modeled and acted my way through grad school. It was a really great way to pay for it. But mm-hmm. once I was done in my late 20s, I think I did a few more jobs after that because it is fun, mm-hmm. uh, especially, you know, getting your hair and makeup done. There's nothing better than that. Right. Having like, you know, <laughs> the food table. That's mm-hmm. always good. But right. outside of that, right, I was doing it to really pay for my master's degree. And mm-hmm. it was definitely well worth it. And I really happy that I had the opportunity to do both. So now I'm um, 
helping people both with private practice here in New Jersey, teaching at the college, and I speak throughout the whole East Coast on, like I said, various emotional wellness issues, positive parenting, positive psychology, study of happiness, um, also positive education in the school system. So I'm kind of all over the place. Just really what we do is spread ways, tips and tools to cultivate happiness and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. which is really important because mindfulness is the only natural way to de-stress, as you know, and you mm-hmm. do a lot of that. So I, you know, just been out there working as much as I can trying to help people, especially during this time. It's a, it's a tough time. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, the positive psychology that you, you're using with, let's say, families, just in general, just families going through this? What message do you have? Well, you know, I just did a webinar, um, Parenting. It was positive parenting in the pandemic, which is really hard because, you know, right now, and I'm a mom as well, it's it's super hard because everything has shifted. So not only are we working from home, we're doing school at home. Mm-hmm. And I also have a lot of clients who, you know, as well as my own students who were, you know, in the dorms and now they had to bring everything home. And it's, you know, really shocked the family with right. schedule, consistency, routine. You know, where is everybody going to do their work where they can have privacy and quiet? Mm -hmm. So it's really been a big shift and totally understandable. And one of the first things I want to say to Mm -hmm. every parent out there is that it's normal to feel all the emotions that you're going through. You know, Mm -hmm. we're all feeling a roller coaster ride of emotions from fear to anxiety and stress to confusion to that uncertainty, feeling a lack of control, maybe even feeling helpless and hopeless. It's completely normal. Even anger. You know, anger has been a, a big issue. A lot of my college students are so angry. My daughter, she's mm. a senior in high school. She's angry because they might miss out on the prom. They might miss out on graduation. Mm-hmm. Same with my college students. You know, they're losing a lot of money because they, you know, they lost a lot from a lot of their part-time jobs and retail. So there's right. just so many emotions going on. But I want people to know that it's normal to have these emotions. Everything is completely valid. Stress is normal. The anger is normal. You know, we always call them negative emotions, but I hate using that word because the truth is they're not negative. They're normal. What makes them Mm -hmm. negative is when we internalize them and push them down and then we don't feel them. And then eventually they kind of rear their ugly head either physically or emotionally. And that's when they become really, you know, unhealthy for us. So it's okay to feel these emotions. It's okay to have days that are good, days that have, you know, that aren't as good you know, really depending on the trigger here in the New Jersey area, um, in New York and Connecticut, PA, unfortunately for us, we don't have the warmer weather like you do in California or, you know, a lot of the southern states. Exactly, yeah. So for us, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a big difference. Like the last two days, you know, it's spring here, so it's starting to get nice. The last two days have been in the 50s and 60s, but then we'll have like this weekend is just completely cold and raining, and we're feeling the tracks, you know, being inside. So we might have different triggers and Mm -hmm. everybody can have triggers no matter where they're located in any country, state, this is a global pandemic. But knowing that there's going to be triggers, you're going to feel it. And my first suggestion is you need to feel all the emotions. You need to feel it to heal it. It's the best way of thinking about it, that sentence. If you don't feel what's coming up and you internalize it, push it down, avoid it, stay in denial. Then again, like I said, it's going to rear its ugly head, whether it's physically all over your body, it might make any of your illnesses if anybody has you know illnesses right. and injuries from you know before any of this happens it can totally cause a flare-up in it 
It could also cause psychosomatic illnesses that, you know, especially in your stomach, ulcers, you know, acid reflux, gastritis, all of that can really happen. And of course, we can reach burnout and we can have panic attacks. So I don't want you to internalize it. I want you to feel it to heal it. I want to make sure that you connect. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things they talk about, and I'm sure they're doing it on the West Coast as well. Here they do it. They call it social distancing and right. social isolation. And I want to shift the wording because the truth is socialization is the number one factor of happiness. And I don't want people to think that they shouldn't socialize. It's physical distance. There's a big difference. You need to have physical distance and physical isolation. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you still can't connect socially. As you were saying in the beginning of the conversation, your connection might look different. It might be by phone. It might be by FaceTime or Skype or Zoom. But it doesn't mean that you still can't connect. We need to have connections. It's so important that we do that. So, yes, let's reword it to, yes, physical distance, physical isolation. And the other part is a lot of families, you know, they might there might be two parents. They might have grandparents who live in their house. You know, there's such different family dynamics nowadays. So who's ever living in your house, you don't want to isolate from them. We're seeing parents where, you know, the kids go into their room, shut the door, the parents are in separate rooms, and no one is talking. And one of the most important tools being that we need socialization, we need community, is to make sure you have that dinner time. That is a time that everybody gets together. We know how important dinner is Mm -hmm. for communication way before, you know, the coronavirus hit. This is something that should be done, but now... We don't have to think, oh, well, you know, they won't be home from work. They're working nights. Now it's everybody's home. And even if it's 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, it doesn't matter. And it's not about the food. It's about the connection. And we all need to sit down for dinner, take away all technology and phones during dinner. And that's a time of connection where everybody sits around and talks. Because we don't want isolation in your own house. Because as much as socialization cultivates happiness, The number one factor for depression outside of mental illness is isolation and loneliness. And I'm very worried about people who are isolating themselves or they live alone and they're isolating by not reaching out again via technology or phone. So, again, please take away the social word. Mm -hmm. Yes, make sure you're safe. Absolutely. Six feet, if not further. We don't want to go out. We want to stay home as much as possible unless, of course, you're an essential and you need to work, you know. Healthcare workers, you know, we know who they are. Gas stations, retail, certain things like supermarkets have to be open. But for the rest of us, stay safe, but still socialize. Right. And right. social, you know, socialization has, it's a range, it's kind of an umbrella effect. Mm-hmm. And there's three areas that fall underneath there. There's community, there's having fun, and there's support. And those are three really important things for family. So, yes, have that community. Again, it, you know, you're not working. For a lot of us, work was our community. You know, because we would spend 60 to 80 hours a week with, you know, our coworkers. We'd eat lunch with them, happy hour, and now that's gone. I have a lot of my clients. My suggestion is you can still have happy hour at 5 o'clock online, cheering your wine glasses on Zoom. Right, you exactly. Know? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and, you know, kids can still have FaceTime play dates or Zoom play dates. They can do video games together. Of course, we want limited. We don't want people just, you know, binging on video games or too much TV because that could be unhealthy ways of coping as well. But it's really important that you still create that community, Mm -hmm. whatever it looks like for you. If you have book clubs, have it online. You know, whatever it is that you were doing, make sure you just switch how it's done. Don't push it away. Mm -hmm. We need to have some fun. 
So ask yourself a simple question of what cultivates happiness for you? You could say, you can have two questions. What cultivates happiness for you as an individual? Things you need to do on your own Mm -hmm. for self-care. But also what cultivates happiness for the family? Is it renting a movie together and, you know, making popcorn? Is it playing an old board game, pulling out that Monopoly, you know, whatever it is? It could be, it could be spending as much time outdoors. I mean, it was beautiful here on the East Coast. It was 63 degrees yesterday. And in March, you never know what you're going to get over here. And people are outside playing Frisbee and badminton. You know, I have uh, a client tell me they put a tent in their backyard so everybody can camp out, you know, the kids in the family for the night, fire pits, whatever you want to do. Again, it doesn't mean you can't socialize with the people you're already living with unless, of course, you're sick or have any kind of, you know, sickness or illness symptoms, then isolate socially in the house. But outside of that, if you're all not going out, you're all healthy, spend that time together. What does it look like? And then a really big coping skill and tool is what is your support system? What does it look like? Because we all need support. You can't heal, grieve, or forgive alone. Right. So it's That's really a good point. important. Mm-hmm. It is, right? And it's really important to also remember this as parents. We're both going to have bad days, you know, both spouses. And it's okay to say to your spouse, you know what? Today is just a real shit day for me. I just, you know, I had triggers. I didn't sleep well. You know, can you take over the bulk of the work this morning? And then vice versa when it's needed. It's okay to have those days. It's okay to ask for the older kids or if the grandparents live at home to help with some of the slack on Mm -hmm. certain times just so you can have that self-care. We all have to be considerate of each other and pay attention and be self-aware of what you're feeling. And a very important tip for parents is kids learn through observation, role modeling, imitation, till about puberty. And, you know, the two-year puberty time can hit any time. We're having puberty as early as 9, 10 years old, wow. you know, to the norm mm-hmm. when it was 12 to 14. Knowing your child in the maturity levels are obviously the best. But being that kids learn that early, you really want to pay attention to your actions and your nonverbals, not even just what you say. What you say is important, but how you act, your actions, your negativity, whether it's nonverbal, hand gestures, facial gestures, all of that's so important because kids learn that way. So if you're stressed and anxious and you're not venting, you're not Mm -hmm. using your support system, you're not getting it out, you're internalizing it and you're becoming moody, irritable, frustrated easily, you know, roller coaster ride of emotions that you can't seem to control, then you have to ask yourself, you know, I'm passing this on to my kids. Where's my support system, whether it's personal or professional. And I want you to know all of us as therapists and coaches, we've had to close our offices, our doors because of safety but we're all doing video sessions or phone sessions, depending on what you want. Mm -hmm. So feel free to still reach out to professional or personal support. It's important. Whatever it is that Mm -hmm. you need. It is so important to have that because kids are learning. And just remember, kids between three and four years old, depending again on their maturity and how they learn, are already starting to learn emotions. You know, that's why you see like, you know, uh, you know, your daughter or son at three, four years old, let's say you're crying and they'll bring you over their favorite stuffed animal and give it to you and go, here, I hope this makes you feel better because they're already feeling it. So they're knowing it, they're watching it, they're seeing it. And one of the things we learned back in the recession, when we had that recession in, you know, 2007, eight, those years, right. is teens and preteens were so stressed out 
And the main reason was because their parents were so stressed. And again, those feelings are completely valid. There's, you know, it's totally normal to feel stressed and scared in situations like this. But be self-aware of what you're feeling. Use your support team. Use your self-care, your community. And make sure even if you're talking to your kids and telling them what's going on, how much can you tell them? Again, know their maturity level. That's a great point. I wanted to, you have so many great things you're saying, by the way. Um, A question I have is, um, children, how much do you share with your children what's going on? Okay, so um, again, this is the thing. Knowing your child's maturity level is so important more than their age. Because, you know, we can see kids who are 10 years old and they can act like they're 13. And then we can see 13-year-olds who act like they're nine. You know, maturity level is huge. So be completely aware of what your child can handle. And then you want to have the conversation with them because they obviously know something is completely going on, even if they're five, six years old. Mm -hmm. They understand they're home now, you're home now, you're not going out and doing the things you typically used to do. And they're aware of it. So you can't just ignore it and hide it. And it's okay for them to see you be a little sad. It's okay for them to see you say, you know, yeah, this is a little tough for us. It's okay. But You don't want anything to get too scary. If Mm -hmm. you see that you're starting to fight with your spouse from being home too much and there's too many differences, again, it's okay for kids to see parents have disagreements, but not if anything's getting heated, Mm -hmm. not if anything is getting loud or using curse words or anything like that. So you want to be careful. Again, it's normal for kids to see parents have little disagreements and to apologize to each other. Completely normal. We want kids to learn that people do have disagreements and they still love each other. And it doesn't mean that people are going to separate because they have a disagreement, but you want to be careful. Right. But so the reality of that, Diane, and you know, mm-hmm. you, you, I'm sure you've seen it and, and I'm guilty of certain things that I won't say on air. What the reality of not being reactive when you're annoyed with your spouse or you're annoyed, whatever the news, or you're annoyed with your daughter, what are some of the things in the moment can you suggest for people to be more mindful of not exploding? Well, first off, you want to be preventative. Good word. So yep. there's there's few things we could do because we know this is going to be a hard time. We're all fully aware of it. And because we have so much uncertainty, this is not like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, we had a big snowstorm or hurricane path. We know we're not going to have power for a week or two. And you kind of know the situation you've been down that road. This Mm -hmm. is completely different. We don't know how long anything's going to last and what the new norm will look like. So you want to be preventative knowing that we at least have another two to three weeks minimum. That's, you know, the quarantine level, you know, to flatten Mm -hmm. the curve. Mm -hmm. What you want to think about is being preventative in these ways. One is making sure for both you and your children are your basic needs met. Because what happens is when we're not feeling good physically, it affects us emotionally And we're more prone to snapping, being irritable, and not being able to control our emotions and having that filter. So you want to make sure you basically, and the same for your kids, because your kids will act up if they don't have it. And these are a few things you want to think of. Basic needs are very simple. But again, we forget them even in the best of times, because especially as moms, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you've seen this, Lisa, (laughs) right? Yeah. We Mm -hmm. we don't, we put ourselves in the bottom of the priority list or as my clients have said to me, what priority list? It has everybody else on it. There's no time for me, mm-hmm. you know, and we do that naturally in the best of times. So what I want you to think about is a few things. One, how much sleep are you getting, which mm-hmm. is really important. Mm-hmm. 
And it's really hard in this time. I'm hearing a lot of people struggling with anxiety. And absolutely, it still must feel like that. So with sleep, we need for adults, us, you know, the parents, seven to eight hours is what we want. But I'm just going to give you a little bit of a stat to give you some wiggle room with this. If you can sleep six hours or more, you can at least be kind of clear cognitively. Because what happens is when you have six hours or less for the for three nights in a row, then it's like not sleeping for 24 hours cognitively. So your attention span, your focus, your concentration, your control, your moods, they're all completely off. So again, if seven, eight hours seems crazy, especially if you're working all crazy hours because of your kids, at least try to get six, at least. And, and again, I know that might be tough, and I'm sure you've talked about this because this is more your specialty, but if you're having problems sleeping, and you want the natural approach, the only natural way to de-stress is mindfulness. Meditation is the intentional practice of mindfulness. There's many ways to go about it. We can talk about that if you want to. But I know, Lisa, you know, you're a specialist in that. You probably, you know, given so many tips on that already. So I don't want to repeat. But, you know, one of the things I suggest for parents is this, and for anybody, actually, so anybody listening, Being that we all are having a hard time falling asleep or we're waking up in the middle of the night and then Mm -hmm. can't fall back to sleep, there's a few things. So one thing to think about is whatever you're thinking about 10 to 15 minutes before you go to bed affects how you sleep, if you sleep, what mood you wake up in the morning, and what kind of dreams you have. Because your dreams are you trying to kind of fill in the blanks of something that's going on in your life. So if you're having stressful thoughts, you're going to have stressful dreams. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. it, they could be somewhat funny to somewhat serious. Like last night, I had a dream because obviously we can't even get our nails done and stupid things that like that. <laughs> I had a dream that I couldn't get into any nail salon. Like that everything <laughs> was back to normal, right? I know. So funny. But it's it just is. a sign of, of like, oh, my God, I don't have control over my normal basic things, you know. And then I've had clients who have dreams. They're falling. Their teeth are falling out. People are chasing them. Those are constant stress dreams. Mm-hmm. So, Whatever you're thinking about 10 to 15 minutes beforehand will affect you. So no news after like five o'clock. That is my suggestion. I would suggest that you don't watch it hardly ever. So maybe just be informed in the morning and let it go. Right. So inundated. Um, brings me back to September 11th, right? When they exactly. Kept over and over again. Oh my goodness. It, it's definitely put some triggers in me for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a flashback. So mm-hmm. No news at night. Don't watch anything at night that's anxiety producing or fearful, whether it's a documentary, certain movie, same for your kids. Be careful of what they're watching. And we want to have some positivity before we go to bed. So a really great tool that you can use, and it's a mindfulness technique. And a lot of my clients will say, I don't meditate. If you don't meditate, this is a great, perfect way to still mindfulness. So you get all the benefits of mindfulness or meditation, mm-hmm. but you don't actually meditate. So what I have my clients do is, you know, you shut the TV, you shut the light off, you're laying in bed, and that's when, you know, the uh, whole negative loop pops up in your head. I should have done this. I could have done that. What am I going to do tomorrow? Oh, my God. You know, that's for most people. Or when they wake up in the middle of the night, same thought process. I want you to do a gratitude moment. And it looks a little different than what we talk about for gratitude, because this is what we know. Gratitude is so effective. But. What happens is if we just say what we're grateful for every day and it's the same things over and over, like I'm grateful I have a roof over my head, I'm grateful for the Mm -hmm. nice weather, I'm grateful I have a family, friends, health, all of that, which is wonderful. But if you keep saying those things over and over again, in a few weeks, you get into what we call a gratitude rut. 
It doesn't have hold the same value and meaning. You're just saying it like a routine. So instead, what I want you to do at night is while you're laying there, is I want you to look through your day. And I want you to ask yourself this question. And you can write it in a journal. You can say it out loud. Mm-hmm. You can say it in your head, however you want. But just ask yourself, what are two to three things I am grateful for that happened today? And I want you to look through your day for the little gifts and blessings, whatever it is. And there are always a few little gifts and blessings. Now, there'll be some days you'll have 10. Some days it'll be hard to find one, but always get one. I usually can at least get two or three, even on my worst days. I can usually do it. But it's just those little gifts. It might be that you made coffee today and it was the best cup of coffee you had. And you usually go out to Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks. But now that you're stuck in, you're making coffee and you're like, wow, this is great. No reason why, whatever it is. It could be that small. It could be you had a great hair day. It could be that small. Kids could be like, I'm so grateful that we have chicken nuggets for dinner. It doesn't matter what it is. It's being grateful and noticing. Because what gratitude does, it does a few things. It cultivates happiness. It cultivates mindfulness. But it also retrains your brain to start looking for the good Mm -hmm. instead of the bad. So Mm -hmm. retrains your brain. So by doing that, just so you know, if you do gratitude for a month every day consistently, your happiness levels rise by 30 to 40%. So just by doing that, looking through your day really makes a huge difference. If you wake up in the middle of the night, you can do it then as well. I went to a positive aging conference and there was a cardiologist, I'm blanking on his name, and somebody said to him, you know, as we get older, we wake up a lot to use the bathroom. And we can't fall back to sleep because that's mm-hmm. when your mind starts doing that loop. And mm-hmm. he said the same thing. So I'm going to steal this from my positive side friends. When you wake up, you can't fall back to sleep. Do your gratitude check because you get all those benefits of mindfulness, which helps you sleep. It reduces your stress hormone cortisol. It reduces chronic pain, which a lot of people have. It lowers your blood pressure, which is great at times like this when we're stressed, brings us to the here and now, and it helps us sleep and it calms us. So, and it's, no side effects, except your only side effect is you might fall asleep. That's it. Those are great tips. Um, and I, I think this whole thing going on with society today is definitely going to bring people in towards themselves and be more mindful. That That's the positive I'm taking away so far, is that people will be more, for instance, if I'm speaking with my dad, I try, you know, his generation is completely different than what's going on today, but I try to talk to him about gratitude and that's a new thing for that. I think that's a new thing for that generation. So this is yeah. definitely a positive. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good for every generation, but right, the older generation is not as familiar with it because they weren't raised with it the way we are now. The science is now there, even though it's been around for a million years in mm-hmm. Buddhist, but the science had to catch up with it. And now that it did, people are more open to it who weren't open to it. And, you know, because all the statistics and research is there showing what we've already known you know so it, it's a really important and that could be a really good nightly tool and you could do it with your kids while they're in bed as well and have them recite what are two to three things they're grateful for that happened today and you can share but if you're that's a great nightly routine for mindfulness the next preventative is looking at what you're eating because diet plays an important role in your mood yeah. as well as sleep right that hangry we talk about mm-hmm. so you want to make sure two things that you're still eating every three to four hours, nothing huge, but you want to make sure you have that snack and being that we're not in the same routine. You might have to set an alarm, you know, on your phone or however you want to do it. And it, you know, it could be something small, cheese and crackers, cheese sticks, you know, apple with peanut butter, whatever, you know, 
celery, with cottage cheese, whatever you'd like, but make sure because we don't want to get that famished where we're, you know, starving later in the day and binge. And a lot of us will do that because we're so busy, we'll forget about eating. And you also want to make sure during this time, one of the biggest unhealthy ways of coping is people binge on caffeine and sugar. And, you know, we don't want to do that. So really look at your foods, especially now we have a little time, start reading the labels. If the first two to three ingredients are sugar, fake sugar, or any form of sugar, it should only be very limited, if any, because sugar really makes your mood swings up and down as well as your energy levels. So we don't want to do that. So just make sure you're eating healthy. And this is for mental health more than, I mean, it's important for your physical health, but I'm talking mostly mental health. So you want to make sure you're eating your meals. You're still having a little bit of your snacks and that you're not binging on caffeine and not, and we're not saying don't have one or two glasses of coffee, what your normal is, but don't live on it. And sugar really be careful because not only do we binge out of comfort, for sadness and depression, but a lot of us are eating our kids' foods now, which have a little more sugar in it than we should be having, you know, so you want to watch that. Third thing is make sure you're drinking enough water, and we need a lot of water, and I'm not even talking just for the coronavirus, which they're telling you to be hydrated, but also in general, when we're dehydrated, not enough that you go to the hospital, but just dehydrated because we're living on more caffeine or fruit juices that have a lot of sugar in it, what happens is we get dehydrated that our focus, concentration, and memory is off. So the more water you drink, the healthier you are mentally and emotionally. And the last thing is, and really I can't even emphasize this enough, is exercise. Mm-hmm. So important because what it does, and, and this is for everybody, if you're not somebody who goes to the gym, if you don't do any kind of exercise, walking is perfect. Scientifically, the best way to get mindfulness is walking. And I don't even mean a fast-paced walk or a jog. I mean, just a nice stroll. If you can go outside or even inside if you have to, like today it's raining, doesn't matter if it's inside, outside's always better because you get the vitamin D boost, which is great for moods and immune. But if you're inside, that's fine. I'll give another stat. If you can walk four times a week for 20 minutes to 30 minutes, minimum 20, but if you can do longer, great. Just so you know, it's as effective as taking an, an anti-anxiety pill with no side effects. So walking four times a week, you could do it with your kids. They can ride the bike while you walk. And again, you know, people say, well, I can't run. I can't do this. That's totally fine. For mental and emotional health, just take a nice walk, 20 minutes. And a lot of people tell you it's what clears your mind because it is a form of mindfulness. So if people say, I don't want to meditate, go for a walk. Do it every day. Whatever it is, and it's great for your heart, your cardio. So, I mean, there's no downside. And every time you exercise, no matter what type of exercise it is, you produce endorphins, which is your happy chemical. And mm-hmm. you reduce, again, your stress hormone cortisol. So there is no downside to that. And I always add on, and I'm sure Lisa would as well, if you can add on some more meditation, if you like to meditate, if gratitude and walking is your thing, great. If not, and you want to meditate every day, even if it's just five minutes, even if it's guided meditation, but you're going on an app or YouTube and they're free, and just putting your headphones in either before you go to bed or when you wake up in the morning, those are great routines to add to being preventative so we're not snapping. And the other kind of basic need in that is we all need to keep a schedule, routine, and consistency. And that is out of whack for most of us. So you want to form a new schedule and a morning routine is so important for adults as well as kids. So even if it's you still wake up at a certain time, doesn't have to be the same time it was for work and school, that can shift. 
So you wake up, you make your bed, you change out of your pajamas. It might just be into leggings or jeans, but you're still changing. And you have your healthy breakfast. Maybe you walk in the morning. Maybe you meditate. Whatever it is, your morning routine, but keep it. Because routine, consistency, and scheduling, not only is it good for adults, it's great for kids. And it's great for kids who have any kind of you know learning disabilities or of any type. We need it. So make sure you still have a morning routine, a night routine for dinner, for bedtime. Let's keep it as scheduled as we can. It makes us feel that structure, routine. It makes us disciplined. And it makes us feel comfortable. And we need that comfort. So those are a few preventatives. So we don't even have to worry about, you know, snapping. I wanted to give the preventative ways first. Those are great. Those are great things. I wanted to ask you, here's a, here's a question that I personally have. So you said community, a sense of community. It doesn't have to be physical, but it can be, you know, having a Zoom chat with a few friends, having, you know, FaceTime. What if you're across the country from your parents who are, not computer savvy. They're, they have a computer, but they don't know how to FaceTime. Is our phone calls just a simple hour chat? Is a phone call as effective as a FaceTime call? You know what, honestly? Yes, it's still good. It's not as good as face to face, absolutely, but it's still amazing to do because we're still getting the connection by hearing each other. A text or an email does not do the same. I mean, they're nice. And a lot of people have done group chats that every morning they check in with each other to make sure everybody's okay. And those are nice. And those are good. Those are acts of kindness. We think of each other. It makes us feel good. But either seeing each other or talking on the phone is the best during this situation. So, yes, checking on your parents if they're not, you know, savvy. Or for some people, you know, there's still some people don't have computers. We can't forget that. There's a lot of areas with Kids only had computers if they were at school or mm-hmm. seniors only had computers if they were in a main area in the assisted or senior living, which they're not allowed in or the libraries. So please check in on those people by phone. And there's also people who have Internet, but they have bad connection where they live for whatever the reason. And also, we have to remember, everybody's online now. That means it's going to slow it down. So phone calls will be a great option. It's really important we check on people, not even just people who are alone or older, but everybody. And everybody needs it. So check in. You know, if you can do this, if everybody can check on one person a day and have one conversation a day, whether it's through phone, FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, it doesn't matter what, one a day, we can all kind of help the world stay, you know, safe, but also stay happy and feel connected. And we do need that. So, yes. Absolutely, it's fine to check in by phone. Mm-hmm. That those are, that's great advice. That's great advice because I do call, you know, have great conversations with my dad. And um, actually, Governor Cuomo mentioned that too. He was he's I've been following him, and he was saying um, he's had the most amazing conversations that he's ever had via phone with his daughters or even his mom. Yeah. He's able to talk to her for an you know an hour or so a day. So that is also another positive that you're connecting with people and you're forced to talk in the moment, which is wonderful. Yeah, it is great. That's so true. There was something that you had mentioned earlier about um, feel to heal. Mm-hmm. What is a safe way to feel? So one, it could be talking to people, your support system. And You know, one of the key factors with support is we don't need to have big support systems. It could just be one or two people, but we need to have one or two people in our lives who we love unconditionally 
and who love us back unconditionally. Because those are the people we talk to in crisis like this. So it has to be unconditional. And again, it just has to be one or two people. So when you feel it could be talking to them, it could be setting up appointments again with your therapist or coach. That's fine as well. You know, or a rabbi priest, if it's more of a spiritual connection that you go for it, it doesn't matter who it is, but we need that. The other thing to remember with this is it's really good to vent and to get it out when you need it, but I don't want you to get stuck complaining about it every day because Mm -hmm. what happens is then we get stuck like a hamster wheel and all we do is vent and then we get stuck in the negativity and just to give you what it does to the other person. So let's say for the next two weeks, I call the same person or I'm talking to my husband or my daughter and all I do is complain about what's going on. After about two weeks of them listening, they get more stressed out than I am. So not only is it bad for us to stay in that vent cycle and stay in negativity and become pessimistic, we're affecting the people we're talking to all the time. So vent, get it out, move forward. The other way, especially if you don't feel you have anybody at this moment or you feel uncomfortable, writing is really great. And there's an exercise you can do every morning. It's a form of mindfulness, um, but it's also a great release. We call it the morning dump, and it's not mm-hmm. what it sounds like, but... When you wake up in the morning, and the best way to get the most therapeutic way of this is a pad and pen, not a computer, not a tablet, just a real old-fashioned pad and pen. And when you wake up in the morning for about five, ten minutes or whatever long it takes, just write out whatever's on your mind. Just get it out. Write it out. Don't spell check. Don't grammar check. Don't judge. It's just a free write. Write as much as you want. Now, when you're done, you can hold on to it like a journal if you choose. But a lot of my clients, what we do is we rip it up. And we like kind of visualize that I'm symbolizing that this is releasing my negativity. So you can rip it. You can put it through a shredder. You can put it in your fire pit, your fireplace. But just as like a symbolizing, I'm getting rid of the negativity for the day. So it's just another avenue to actually release because we do need a release. Exercise releases and it's great, but not the mental, emotional release that talking or writing does for us. Mm-hmm. So or if you do both, you know, even better. But make sure and ask your kids, too, how they're feeling to make sure they have a safe place to talk. Even if they say, I'm fine right now, check in on them. doesn't have to be every day, but every few days. Hey, how you doing? I know this has got to be tough for you in school. Tell me what's going on. How you feeling? Or watch them for their moods, too, you know, because they're going to be feeling the same way. And let them have a safe place, whether it's you, your spouse, the grandparents, or, again, one of their friends through FaceTime or however they want to Snapchat, you know, whatever they want to do. So having an emotional and a physical release is so important. Right, right. So another question, because um, I have a friend that um, she's not doing great emotionally. So she's reaching okay. out to Facebook, meaning she's posting on social media, maybe that she's not doing so well. So how could uh, friends help her? How could the community help her? What is the suggestion? And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are feeling alone and isolated and but she's very um she's very forthcoming with it and she'll put it out there and obviously I think it's a cry for help but how do how do we help someone like that so I'm I'm seeing that a lot with some of my friends too they're posting every day a lot of negativity complaining fear um and you know social media is a catch-22 so yes it's a great way to connect But for a lot of people, getting on social media is making you feel just as negative as it is watching on the news. There's Mm -hmm. so much negativity on 
social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're on, you know, there's constant fighting, disagreement, mm-hmm. yelling at each other, constant negativity. And that affects us as well because moods and emotions are completely contagious. So be careful of one, how it's phasing you. That's number one. If mm-hmm. social media is making you feel worse about yourself, Either don't go on or limit it or go on to the groups if you have groups or communities that are helping, but stay away from your usual scroll if it's doing that to you. It depends how you Mm -hmm. feel, how you react, and what's going on on your feed. But it's really important to know that. The second thing is if there's somebody on there always doing it, first question is, are they always doing it? Is this the way they've always been? Is this that person's personality? And for the last 10 years? They're always posting stuff, or is it just because of this situation? Because one, a lot of what's coming out for people is who they were to begin with. A lot mm. of fears are people, you know, like they've already were always fearful. They were already were always overwhelmed and stressed and negative and pessimistic. If that's the case, then you have to be careful and also watch your your own health because again, negativity, toxicity, you know, phases us very much. So we need to be healthy, not just for ourselves, but remember that lowers your immune system. Right. So it's really important. Mm -hmm. The second thing, if it's somebody who's just really, you know, they're just having a hard time with this, I would suggest not going back and forth on Facebook. I would suggest PMing them, sending a private message or Facebook, whatever, direct message and saying, hey, you know, I've watched your post for the last week, few days, whatever it is. I know you're having a hard time. I'm here. When can we talk? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the best way to reach you or, you know, phone, FaceTime, but let's talk about this because they're getting stuck in the negative loop and they're not getting out of it. And the only way out is to take action, give them a call and really talk to them. You know, people are putting it up there because they need help, but some people have always been like that. So it's really important to know for your own health as well. And I'm not saying not be there for people. Absolutely. But not everybody does want help. Some people are very toxic. They just want to bitch and complain. They don't want your help. They don't want your empathy. They just don't. And, you know, you've got to be careful because when we have too much toxicity in our lives, it phases us. And positivity does not spread as fast as negativity. So, again, reach out to those people. Absolutely. But if they don't want the help and they're getting nasty towards you or they're, you know, not listening and they're getting mean, rude, manipulative, then be careful of your own health. And I know that's hard to hear at a time like this because mm-hmm. we all want to be there for each other. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember, not everybody always wants help. That's true. And we're not responsible for anybody's problems or to make them happy. We can give advice. We can give resources. And I gladly hope that everybody does that. But if you see that that person is not willing and they start taking it out on you, then you have to take a step back. And you could say, I'm here when you make a change and you decide you want help. And that might be fair enough. Or you can offer them the resources of places that are giving away, you know, who have webinars or seminars that are for free or whether they want paid, you can send them to therapists, you know, but you can't be everybody's answer because it's just an impossibility. That's great advice. So speaking of resources, where can my audience find you if they wanted to reach out or see some of your webinars or? Sure. So you can either go on to my website, which is just my initials. It's D lcounseling.com. I have a whole bunch of free articles and I've been doing some free webinars for the last few weeks. So you can see when those are coming up on some panic and anxiety and parenting. Um, we've been doing them for the last few weeks to try and help as many people as can. Or you can email me at dlcounseling2014 at gmail. 
And you can also find that, you know, right on my website. And also I have a Monday newsletter. It's completely free. It's just giving out tips on happiness and health. So if you want to sign up there and get, you know, some happiness sent to your email box on Mondays, you can sign up for that as well. Okay, Diane, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. What a wonderful amount of information and and resources. And and it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. Stay safe and healthy. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Feel free to reach out for a reading. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at A Spiritual Reading. Stop by my website at spiritual-readings.com and I look forward to hearing from you and sharing this journey.